passion and pageantry of college football lives here. This is the Paul Feinbaum Show, Hour 2 Podcast. This might be college football, And welcome back. Uh, continue here. Second hour of the program. We'll get more reaction a little bit later on what Greg Sankey had to say here yesterday. And a look ahead to some of the bigger issues. Uh, let's check in with Dominic is in, in Pittsburgh. Hello, Dominic. Hey, Paul. How are you doing? We're doing okay, buddy. I got a hoop game, and I'm about to leave, but I had to call after Harry's call and wanted to say hi to all his eye friends and also tell them that I have a disease called, I think it's called choroideremia. Mm-hmm. Well, what what, is, uh, what does a, that mean? It's like, so I don't really know what it means. It's, not, it's like a really bad disease for my eye that I inherited from my uh, pappy. Okay. But I have a joke for Harry and all his eye friends and you. What does a tornado and a divorce in Auburn have in common? I really don't know. No matter which happens, someone is losing a trailer, Paul. Mm. Thanks, Dominic. (sighs) Elliot is up next. Uh, Hello, Elliot. Hey, Paul, thanks for taking my call. I heard you talking to Daniel yesterday and calling out Kurt Herbstreit of all people. Come on. That's like the kettle calling the, the pot black, Paul. You're, you're talking about how he went on about Florida State in a Twitter, yet you go with Caitlin Cullen on her CNN show like it's a news show, and she's just a super Alabama fan. You you, you talk about Herbstreit influencing players. Can you get coaches like Lane Kiffin fired? Come on, Paul. Give me a break. You have unfettered access, like you're some kind of expert, and you and you claim yesterday I only talk to my fans on my show. I don't, I'm just this humble guy. Come on. Uh, was there a question in there, Elliot? I don't get. I don't get calling out. Well, Kirk, well first, Kirk first of all, or, Elliot. Uh, I, 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 Elliot, would you? Uh, trying to do. First of all, he was Elliot, probably trying to get the scoop. No, uh, somebody brought up uh, Herb Street and this uh, story. You're not called back to game day, Paul. This is probably why you're not on game day anymore. What's up with that? I haven't seen you there forever. Uh, but I, was only, I only did it before the SEC Network. Elliot, let me, let me answer your question. A caller called up and said that Raiola's father was quoted in, in Rivals saying that Herb Street influenced him to flip from Georgia to Nebraska. I simply reacted to that. Simple as that. I don't know what that has to do with being on uh, CNN with Caitlin Collins. You, know, you went beyond that to, to talk about how Herb was, Herbie was talking about. Well, Florida I think everybody State watching, uh, did you see Elliot? Elliot, did you see the set? Elliot, did you see the segment? You're on this show. Elliot, quick question. Did you see the segment or did you just read about it? seen the segment, but I've read about it a lot. Well, Elliot, I, the difference between the do. two of us is I was, act, I was actually Kurt. here during the segment. I know what was said, and I know what I said. I don't know what some third-rate uh, social media site uh, published about it. And, and I've communicated to Herb Street exactly what I said, 
and he has communicated back. So I, I feel like maybe I have a slight advantage over the situation than you do, but I appreciate your, your call anyway. Let's uh, continue. Uh, Brad is up next in Georgia. Hey, Brad. Making Georgia, Paul. Making Georgia, baby. You got it. Um, hey, man, a couple of your callers that are carrying the show. Um, of course, Dominic, which I just referred to him to Dom as short, and AJ. And did you see the question y'all had, your Twitter question Yeah, yesterday? I did. Uh, and by uh, the way, this is to Dominic. Uh, Dominic, you, you know, whether you're 12 years old or not, it doesn't, uh, it's not really funny to make fun of people who lose their lives in tornadoes. Anyway, back to you, Torna uh, Brad. Yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. Um, but on the question, by the way, it was especially a community that has suffered great loss uh, because of tornadoes, and Auburn has. And I, I, I don't want to, I think Dominic can figure out the rest. Oh, I'm sure his, I'm sure his pop can figure it out for him if he can't. No. So, but um, hopefully he will the, learn. Um, he will learn that that before he calls in again with another uh, inappropriate joke. I, I I totally agree with that. Sometimes they can get off the rails a little bit, so it's kind of our job to get them back on the rails. And that's just a good parenting. Um, but the question was best run. I mean, best best high school player you've ever seen, and AJ sent in Jim from Tuscaloosa. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I, I didn't see that. Oh, my God. I saw that, and my wife was getting mad. She says, why do you keep laughing like that? I said, I can't help it. The guy's just cracking me up here. And with his imitation of John from St. Louis, you got to make him do that at least once a week. I mean, he just puts me in stitches doing stuff like that. And it just, I mean, we're in a lull with football and all that. So, I mean, he just kind of fills the time and, makes the day and gives me a good laugh and um i just enjoy i still football or not football you know paul i still enjoy watching your show and you got some really cool people calling the show couple does that start blocking daryl for god's sake just block yeah Darryl. I, I agree i it you start out a, a show with miss pat and daryl and it, it's almost impossible <sighs> to uh to get back on track and and i'm I don't think I did. I mean, we, we, that, that literally put me off uh, out of sync for quite a while. <laughs> well, Paul, hey, man, I hope you have a rest of a good day, and uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you very much. <laughs> Let's uh, right, check bye -bye. in with uh, Bamagrad up next. I wonder where, where, where Bamagrad lives. Uh, Birmingham. Well, good. Glad to hear from you. Uh, I had a, a question here. Uh, from the uh, Atlantic magazine that I, I read a couple of days ago, um, it interested me. Uh, it has to do with the uh, you know the demise and the big layoffs in Sports Illustrated. Right. And uh, I don't know if you know the writer Keith O'Brien. I'm not familiar with him. Uh, the title is "You'll Miss Sports Journalism When It's Gone." Because the ranks of sports reporters are thinning, making it easier for athletes, owners, and leagues to conceal hard truths from the public. Kind of a kind of an alarmist article. Yeah, you know it is alarming on one level, uh, but I, I am of the opinion that sports journalism is already dead. It didn't need we didn't need Sports Illustrated to go out of business. Uh huh. It's uh it's 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 really fallen off the cliff in the last ten years, <clears throat> and it's not coming back. 
And, and why, why is that, you think? Well, uh, a lot of it is uh, economic, uh, that so many entities now, and, I, and I'm not trying to shirk where I work, but are now really in business with the people they cover, which makes it far more difficult to be objective and neutral and nonpartisan like it used to be. Right, right, right. So, I think he alludes to that. Yeah, he talks I mean, about ESPN is, is going to have an agreement with uh, the NFL, right? And that kind of bothers him about the you know the objectivity and them concealing maybe bad news coming out. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a way to walk uh, to walk the fine line. It's very difficult, uh, and I know I've been on both sides of it. But I, th I think the reaction to Sports Illustrated w was really overdone because Sports Illustrated is really in our mind uh, as something that many of us grew up with. But Sports Illustrated really hasn't been a significant part of the sports scene in a very long time. Right, 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 right. I mean, now, well, now just, when you uh, think of when you think of uh, when you think of sports, you think of opinion about it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, I am. I've talked about this a, a lot in my in, in private uh, grab, but it, it it's a it's a, it's a, it really isn't much different than 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 news. Uh, where where do most people go for their news? They go to a, an outlet that suits their political ideology. Right. And right. again. <laughs> That's a whole different story about you know, what's going on on the cable news channels because it's all biased. Uh, it doesn't matter which side of the, yeah. the aisle you're on. Whatever you're watching, and there's only three channels or four or five, four or five they, they all have an agenda. And, and I, I know people think that ESPN has an agenda or the SEC network has an agenda. We do, we do have one agenda, and that is to promote uh, the schools in the SEC. Does that mean uh, we don't talk about bad things? Uh, that's absurd. Uh, I think anybody who's ever listened or watched this show knows that there's plenty of negativity on here. We, we just, but, that, but I'm talking about in terms of the, of the fundamental reason why this network exists. It, it was, it's a partnership between the, the Southeastern Conference and, and ESPN, and it's also a very successful partnership. Right, right, right. Well, do you still have, like, you still have sources uh, that you uh, anonymous sources that you yeah sure sure you do. Uh, I mean, my, my my feeling is, I mean, I used to be an investigative reporter. Uh, I'm not that anymore, but I do have the uh, I do have the background in in knowing how to pursue a story and try to and, tr and try to seek the truth. That that's always the objection of a uh, the objective, and I. Uh, I heard months ago that Coach Saban was thinking about retiring, but every time you talk to somebody, you got a different version of it. Um, and it finally got to the point where you couldn't convince, even though I felt there was a reasonable chance, it wasn't a story worth uh, publishing because it was unknown and really until the end. But yeah, there, there was always that. I think there was a, any, anybody in, in the inner circle had to believe it, but sometimes with pe people that are larger than life, you tend, the objectivity is impossible. I heard somebody today say something critical of Taylor Swift um, about how she handled the Grammys the other night. And, and the, shoe, the guy was on a panel with five other people and he, he literally got run off the panel. 
uh, because, because there are some <laughs> there are certain people that that you just don't talk negatively about. Uh, Nick Saban was one. Taylor Swift, obviously, uh, is another. We'll take a short break. We are coming back with much, much more. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Is your schedule too packed to see a doctor about your erectile dysfunction? Well, with Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. They're changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and entirely online. Just answer a series of questions and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free. No insurance needed. So what are you waiting for? Join the hundreds of thousands of trusted HIMS subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at HIMS.com slash Paul. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash Paul for your personalized ED treatment options. HIMS.com slash Paul. Hard mints are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies on product and subscription plan. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Welcome back. The uh, softball season begins today, and uh, these are some of the rankings, uh, in the coaches poll and we are back uh, with much more to do and let's check in with Chris who is in Tuscaloosa hello Chris hey Paul how are you today we're doing well thank you well I, I don't know how well y'all are doing I mean it, it kicked off crazy today what, yeah, what no, is going it, uh, on this week it, it's rare that the host of the show considers leaving after about 30 minutes but today was that day <laughs> It's uh, well, listen, uh, I got a couple pieces of advice for you and your listeners, please. So the first one with all the talk about food this week, y'all are killing me, man, like chicken fried steak and 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 Daryl having some kind of unhinged rant about hot sauce with fried chicken. Has he never heard of buffalo sauce or, or Nashville <laughs> hot chicken? I mean, does it just not exist in his world? But I'll tell you that I'm 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 also not a spicy food guy, but I will tell you the best way that I found to eat fried chicken, especially boneless fried chicken is either put some honey on it or golden eagle syrup, which is made in Fayette, like Alabama. That. And that sounds good. it's awesome. It's the best. The other thing that I would say is that if you, when you're trying to deal with crazy, insane people, what, what, what's the common definition of insanity, Paul? You know, to keep when, doing when people, the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Does that not sum up Daryl and I-Man's calls every day? Yes. It's the same thing over and over again, broken records. And, and Miss Pat, too, obviously, right? I think there's something else going on here. But the best advice I ever got, I used to work at the University of Alabama in the College of Education, and my boss there was the, the best boss I've ever had. And he gave me some great advice because there was a group of folks there that were just insane and made our lives a living hell. <laughs> and he said, you know, there's never, there's never any constructive reason for you to, de- to try to debate 
a crazy person. And the reason for that is, is, is when someone's crazy, things like logic and decorum, you know, the, the cornerstones of, of how people have functional discourse as adults, it doesn't exist for them. So there's no way to there's no way to even it's not even about winning. There's no way to engage with them. And I'm just I'll just say, you know, crazy is as crazy does. And when it's crazy, I mean, bye bye time. Yeah, you know, you've given great advice. I have this deficiency and what really uh, I can't follow my own advice or your advice when somebody says something blatantly <laughs> false. There's a tendency to want to interrupt. And I was just talking to that Elliot guy. Everything he said was wrong. Just yeah. like, uh, but yeah, completely. And, you, and it's a mistake. The, the, the great way, the best way to deal with that is silence. But uh, I continue to well, fail my own advice. You know, anyone, I think, I think another, another really common definition of crazy, at least anymore, is when someone is absolutely convinced that they are the only ones who have all the right answer and nobody can tell them anything, there is nobody more disassociated from reality than that. And if, <laughs> if going through COVID taught us anything, that like you, you should not trust, you should trust about half of what you think you know and, and trust half of what somebody else thinks they know. Exactly. No, you're, you're so. so correct. All right, man. Well, listen, Thank just you keep very fighting much. a good fight, Paul. Chris, and I'll uh, be listening in and, and, and thinking about you. And so far, I'm losing. Uh, I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, Bob is up next in Fort Worth. Uh, hey, Bob. Yeah, Paul, hey, afternoon. Good afternoon, Bob. Thank you. Well, I've always heard you need to start off with something humorous. So I had a friend of mine who's roughly connected with the Cowboys there in, in Irvine. Yes, sir. He sent me a deal. The, uh, sent me a deal the other day, and they was doing a an interview with Staubach with Roger, and they asked him. He said, "Do you think that your Cowboys could have beat the Cowboys today? Could beat the Cowboys today?" He said, "Well, yeah." I said, well, "What do you think the score would be?" He said, "Well, probably fourteen, thirteen to ten or seven. <laughs> he said, uh, "He said that close." He said, "Oh, yeah." He said. We're all in our late seventies and early eighties. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, you know, that, what I wanted to ask that you, is what funny. I to ask you. That is funny. I like that. <laughs> what I wanted to ask you, ask you, Paul, is, oh, first off, uh, to do Wayne down there in Louisiana, uh, we we he would come on the other day and went on about a minute and a half deal about how they was going to get old Terry Boosie. Well, yesterday he signed with. He signed with A and M, so he sure did. <laughs> Just kind of that's that's for you, Duane. But uh, what, what, I haven't asked you, Paul. What, what do you think? What kind of job you think Oelko's doing so far? And you know, and I, I, I hear you. I hear you talk about middle of the pack teams and stuff. And and I, ha I haven't heard, really heard heard you say anything about what you think old Mikey's doing down there. You know, I I, I like what I see from him, but I'm not. Uh, to the point where I think they're going to be a, an upper division team. Uh, I, I just don't know enough about what he's going to do uh, and, and his personnel. Uh, you, you probably could help me a little bit. I mean, I think they have, they have some good ingredients, but I'm never, I always think the transition year, especially when you take over a program that a little bit wayward, which A&M was, uh, not bad, but, but, but obviously much expected better. I'm, not, I'm just not sure how quickly you can turn it around. Well, I, and and I agree with you, uh, but they do have the. Of course, they did last year too. But the they got the top returning talent in the SEC. Right. I seen I seen that somewhere. 
but uh, I, I'm kind of like you. It's just kind of a wait and see deal, you know. We that battered Aggie syndrome that we all have. We've been I've been watching it for sixty some odd years, and it's just you just kind of think, well, surely, surely they can do something, and and then, and then they don't. But uh, I, I'm hoping for the best this year. But we'll we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. Well, I hope so. Uh, that program deserves a little bit of good luck. Thanks for the call, G is in Atlanta. Hello, G. How are you doing? G, you there? I don't hear G. Let me uh, try Trey next. Uh, Hey, Trey, good afternoon. I'm here, Paul. Hey, hey, Paul, what a great interview with with Greg Stank. I mean, wow, how lucky we are in – SEC to have a leader like Greg Stanky, Paul. Is he not great? He really is. Truly great. Well, uh, the question about a statue outside the stadium question, I think uh, we need to have one of Jim from Tuscaloosa at <laughs> Legion Field where he used to play T-ball and Pee-wee football. But it needs to be put down at Legion Field. And, Paul, let me ask you a question. Is is Miss Jim and uh, is Miss Pat and Jim, are they kin folks? I mean, I see a lot of same traits, hanging up the phone, quitting, calling back. We need to start keeping the score for the rest of 2024, see who hangs up and quits the most. And then when I ask you a question about Dominic, you know, sometimes it sounds like uh, that's one of them voiceover machines or something. I'm not sure about him yet, but I will say this. I was around when those tornadoes hit around Tuscaloosa and the Auburn area and all there. And I'm telling you, that was a very painful event. And, the Alabama and Auburn community, despite our differences in sports, come together to help each other out, including athletes and past athletes. So I'm not so sure he understands. No, I don't think he did. Uh, but, and, and I remember the Auburn ones in particular. Obviously, we all remember the ones in Tuscaloosa. But the Auburn ones happened a couple of years ago, and, and uh, Bruce Pearl played a big role, as you remember. Uh, and, and I, oh, I yes, just I, I, I kind of – I sh- in all candor, I should have seen right through it, but I, I was uh, – I should have just cut him off, but I was trying to be sensitive to him being a young guy. But I, I, that was my fault. That wasn't his. Uh, there's no way I should well, have allowed know, Paul, him to tell that joke. I don't even think he was really around. Or under, I don't even think he understands what he said. I hope this is a lesson that uh, you know, some things are, are fun, and we've all told ridiculous jokes in the past, but you just have to, no matter how old you are, you have to be sensitive to what you're saying. And I think right now he's, he's an Auburn fan. He's an Alabama fan who falsely predicted and, and boasted yesterday that his team would win. I tried to help him there. He oh, wouldn't, we got he, blown out, Paul. He, he wouldn't <laughs> listen. And, and so he came back with a, a joke today that, quite frankly, bombed. We'll take a short break. We are coming right back after this. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. And welcome back. A lot happening and always great to catch up with David Ubbin from The Athletic. Uh, David, good afternoon. Uh, thank you for uh, being here. A lot of things happening in intercollegiate athletics. Uh, of the three or four on the smorgasbord, you've got uh, the Big Ten SEC, you, you have uh, National Recruiting Day yesterday, which didn't go over very well because most people look past it. You've got the Tennessee situation, a place you're pretty familiar with, and uh, you have all this conversation about the CFP. What 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 is the what is most pressing in your mind? Well, it feels like every threat is existential, right? Uh, you know, my my colleague Stu Mandel referenced that that house case, which is a lot of money, um, but doesn't necessarily change a lot moving forward. And then, of course, you have the Tennessee case uh, with the Tennessee and Virginia attorneys general sort of pressing on the NIL rules, which would change almost everything. Uh, and then, of course, you have the looming threat of becoming employees. And we'll see, uh, you know, the, the Dartmouth case is sort of interesting there. It just feels like everywhere the NCAA looks, there are existential threats on different issues. Uh, and that is not a great place to be. Uh, so whatever happens, I think ultimately – the one thing that everybody in college sports right now agrees on is that none of this is sustainable and we have to get to a place where we're in a situation that can be tenable for athletes, coaches, administrators, schools, all of the above. And right now, college sports, instead of sort of negotiating their way to a place that makes sense the last 20 years, they're being shoved there by the courts over the course of you know 18 months to three years. I mean, the sport has changed more in the last three years than it has in the last like hundred years and there's only more change coming. David, this case in Tennessee was interesting uh, because we are just so used to mealy mouth administrators, you know, saying all the things that the lawyers write for them. But Don Day Plowman, who did all that a couple years ago, went rogue. I mean she I mean she chartered a new course and a lot of people seem to be cheering her on. Yeah, well, I think it's it's mostly because they're they're in a weird spot where uh, the NCAA is certainly trying to enforce some rules that were sort of labeled as guidelines, some of which were not in place when some of these violations occurred. And then if you're Dondi Plowman, you're Danny White, who are obviously furious at a lot of the things happening there, their frustration, a lot of it lies, and you, you saw it in, in their letter, that none of these violations involve – uh, anyone that's collecting a paycheck from the University of Tennessee, and they do involve people that for the large portion of the first few months to a year or so of the NIL rules, they were not allowed to communicate with them, really. Uh, there were certainly some back-channel conversations happening between collectives and athletic departments for a while, but there was a pretty clear separation of church and state for a lot of that, and now you're responsible for violations that may have occurred. We'll see what the investigation looks like. And there are violations of rules that were called guidelines, some of which were not necessarily in place or explicit at the time. 
So, you know, I think certainly Tennessee and many, many collectives and schools like that violated the spirit of the NIL rules. But the letter of the rules, I think, is definitely open to interpretation. And then the rules themselves, obviously, are quite literally uh, on trial uh, with the states of Tennessee and Virginia's lawsuit. So, again, it's sort of an existential crisis for everyone. And, uh, you know, I, I have a hard time believing that we get to the finish line of whatever this saga looks like uh, and Tennessee or really anyone that, you know, uh, was speeding on the NIL highway gets any real serious penalties because uh, of all the reasons that these things don't hold up in court. David, you've had some interesting comments, uh, both very positive and, and also a little bit uh, more pointed about uh, our, our, our favorite subject on this program for the last 17 years, Nick Saban. Um, <laughs> let's start with, the, with, with what you proposed uh, in terms of putting Saban on, on the cover of of what everybody can't wait for, the new game coming out. Uh, let's start there, and then we'll get to the uh, things that will get you hate mail from our viewers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think ultimately, you know, this is a game. I, I, I will say that it's we're getting in a new era because um, for the long, longest time, obviously, you couldn't have active players on the cover of the game for all of these NIL rules, uh, which we just discussed and all of that. Uh, you could have an a, a, a active player, but this year, you know, we don't have a returning Heisman winner. We don't have, like, a massive, massive star. I mean, if you ask who's the biggest name coming back in college football, there's a lack of star power that maybe we've had the last couple of years when Bryce Young came back and uh, Caleb Williams came back. And now you have the retirement of a figure who, I think it's fair to say, has defined college football you know, since the game has been gone, and, and certainly before that, uh, over the last decade plus, and Nick Saban, uh, who I think will still loom over the sport, um, figuratively in some ways, literally on ESPN's airways, we learned this week. Uh, so I think it's a fitting tribute because uh, you have a guy, like I said, that is not going to be in the sport anymore on a day-to-day -day way, but we're still going to see him, and he's defined the sport. It, it feels to me uh, like a fitting tribute uh, for the last decade of college football where we haven't had a video game that people loved so much. And people like me grew up playing and, you know, bought at Walmart at midnight when we were in college and high school and all that stuff and, you know, played it until 6 a.m. until we passed out the first night. So, you know, this is just uh, – it's going to be an exciting era, but I think the retirement – and what Nick Saban has meant to the sport, it makes a lot of sense to put him on the first cover. Absolutely. And the other side, you, 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 you wrote yesterday in a tweet, uh, intrigued to see how honest Saban is on game day. I mean, I don't know how you mm -hmm. doubt that anyone wouldn't be honest <laughs> on game day. Um, <laughs> it, you said if he's mostly honest, it will be great TV. If he's not going to be honest, it's probably going to quickly blend into other CFB coverage on TV and the novelty wears off thin. That, that is an interesting conversation because... There is such great excitement, and, and I don't want to be a cynic because I, I do all this and realize uh, there, there is a different world out there that he's not used to. Um, he may have gotten criticism for things from fan bases, but you could just simply say, well, he beats them, so they, they mm -hmm. don't like him. But it's a little bit different being on TV, isn't it? Yeah, I think, you know, what I mean by that basically is – you know, you see a lot of coverage, and, and this is more, I think, in some ways. I mean, there's some when, when you got guys on the desk, but certainly in game broadcast, everyone's great, every player's great, every coach is great. Oh, they're trying, they'll get it fixed, it's going to work out. And then it's not like we want Nick Saban to just, like, rip people, but, like, if it's not working or it's a weird situation, what do you see 
that, that is missing from this team, whether it's what you see in film, people that you talk to, all of these things. It's not like, oh, Nick Saban needs to just be ripping people left and right, but it's like, let's have a real conversation because he has a ton of insight and understands the sport uh, and, and, and how it looks now, how to operate, obviously how to build a team, how to maintain a culture, you know, what can work. He's evolved in a lot of ways. And certainly he's going to have some very real opinions on, okay, what is missing here? Maybe whose fault it is? How can this be fixed? And if you want to have those conversations, he's going to have a level of insight that I think almost no one else on the planet would have. But it's just going to be like, well, yeah, I, I, I know he's 0-12 in conference, but, you know, I, I went to a practice, you know, in the spring, and, I, and those guys were flying around out there, and they're just they're, – they're this close. They're this close. It's like I'm, I'm not that interested in that. Uh, and so I think a lot of people aren't either. But if we're going to get some real insight – and there's not to say you can't edit yourself and maybe, you know, be kind of nice – um, but give us some real insight, and we could learn a lot, and, and viewers will be smarter for it. And I'm looking forward to to seeing what, what Nick Saban has to offer on TV. You're saying if, if uh, Kalen DeBoer loses a couple of games early on uh, and we get to that Georgia-Alabama game and Alabama's got two losses, um, you know, you, you think he'll, he'll just say, I talked to Coach DeBoer this week. And by the way, I'm on the payroll here at Alabama. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's awkward. <laughs> yeah, well, surely Alabama can't lose two games before they play Georgia. That's not possible. No, it, it would be, in theory, impossible. <laughs> but I was just trying to put – I was trying to come up with a scenario that would get your attention. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you talk to coaches for a long, long time. You know, this this day and this this period in college football has always come up with, like, Boy, you don't want to be the guy after the guy. You don't want to be the guy after the guy because Nick Saban set such an impossible standard. And I think one thing, ironically, that might be honestly working against Kalen DeBoer is we've said, you know, this is this can't be done. This can't be uh, sustained for this long. And then you look over Georgia and Kirby Smart, and you're like, is Kirby doing it again? <laughs> is Kirby doing it again? And is that fuels the idea that like. Well, Alabama should just win 11 games automatically every single year. And if he, if they're not, then the coach is a bum. Kalen DeBoer has won a lot of different places. I think he's well-suited for this job, doesn't bring a lot of baggage. People seem to be united around him. And it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. But an unenviable task following up, uh, you know, the best coach to ever do it. Can't wait for the media to the, – the sports media critics to uh, deal with the latest uh, <laughs> analyst on TV. Uh, there are plenty of there are plenty of outlets there. In case you didn't know that, uh, David, working for one uh, one who has too many already. That's what I hear. <laughs> Great stuff, David Ubbin. Thank you very very much. Uh, we'll take a short break. Get your reaction to all of that right after this. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. And hey, we are we are back. Uh, and G is up next. Uh, hey, G. G, you there? We're having a failure to communicate today. We'll try uh, Gary next. Hey, Gary. Hey, Paul. I tried to call in when this John guy said you were mean-spirited, uh, and you are not. And then when, when Pat called uh, you the same today, I said, hey, I've got to call in. I can tell these folks what mean-spirited is. It's uh, It was a guy named Pete Franklin, which <laughs> may be a name you remember. I do remember Pete, I yes. Went, yeah, I went to college in Ohio, and and Pete was the voice of sports talk back then. And he was out of a big station in Cleveland. And, boy, he was mean. He put people down. He was argumentative. Uh, but you are not. You show your 
you show your callers respect, you're intelligent, you've got a good sense of humor, and a pretty compassionate guy. So thank you for, for doing that. But um, but Pete Pete was tough. And well, I mean, remember, I mean, he, later, he, was, uh, he was in Cleveland, too, um, which yeah. <laughs> is, a, is, is a kind of town where, you know, being that way just comes with, uh, comes with the, the weather and the climate. Yeah, in the Cuyahoga River burning. 20 years later, I find myself living in Northern California, turn on uh, the local sports radio show there, and who's there but Pete Franklin with yeah, the same gig. That's amazing. Mac. No, when I was, was in amazing. college, we used to uh, call him up and, and try to harass him. Yeah. Were you successful? No, uh, we, we were we Pete, were 18 years old. We, we didn't have this, the skill set that uh, we later acquired. Yeah. Hey, one other quick thing. Sports Illustrated. Uh, I'm a little older than you are. I'm, I'm 74, retired here in North Carolina. But when I was a kid, wow, Sports Illustrated, that was my Bible. Couldn't wait to get home from school. On Friday, found, uh, found it in the mailbox and within 24 hours uh, had it completely devoured. And I just love Sports Illustrated. It broke my heart here several years ago and it no longer was the uh, the news magazine sports magazine i fell in love with so uh, kids today are really missing something i don't know where they turn for their good sports yeah reading. i mean i think it's a, it is a lot hey thank you so much gary for the call we head to the break uh the first half of the program is over we can all say thank you you're listening to the paul feinbaum show podcast 